action. You're in the helicopter, it's loud, you got your fins on, your wetsuit, mask, snorkel ready to go, and then you jump. Danger. You can hear the ice hissing and cracking all around you. Adventure. When you cross the equator, you have to ask King Neptune's permission to become a shellback. You're listening to Sea Story. Episode 46, Ryan's Job. My name is Jocko Willink. I'm a retired SEAL officer. I'm from a small New England town, and this is my sea story. Ever since I was a little kid, I wanted to be some kind of commando. When I would pick up a stick, I would turn it into a machine gun. When I picked up a broom, I turned it into a rifle. That's what I was always thinking about when I was a kid. And as soon as I started to figure out the various branches of the military, I heard about the SEAL teams in the Navy. I always liked the water, and when I realized that the SEAL teams were the maritime component of special operations inside the U.S. military, the SEAL teams were the commandos that worked in the water, that's where I decided I wanted to go, and that's why I joined the Navy. In a SEAL platoon, there's various jobs that everyone has. Starting at the front, you have a point man who does navigation. Behind him on a patrol, you'd be your platoon commander who's actually directing the platoon. You also have machine gunners, which are going to lay down suppressive fire. Our SEAL corpsmen are going to patch people up. Grenadiers that are going to shoot grenades. We have breachers that are going to open doors. Snipers that are going to engage enemy personnel from long distances, and they're also going to do and head up reconnaissance-type operations. You always have the chiefs and the leading petty officers. Those are the ones that actually make it happen. They have the tactical experience, they have the tactical knowledge, and so those are the guys that step up and maneuver the elements on the battlefield in support of what the overall plan is. Ryan's job in the SEAL teams was a machine gunner. In the SEAL teams, we call the machine gun the pig. So therefore, machine gunners are often referred to as a pig gunner. The pig gunners in a SEAL platoon are always known as being absolutely critical because in a firefight, it is the heavy machine gun that puts down the suppressive fire that limits the enemy's ability to move or even to shoot at you so that the SEAL platoon can maneuver. Normally you would have someone to carry the weapon and then someone to carry the ammunition because the weapon is heavy and the ammunition is heavy. In a SEAL platoon, the machine gunner does both. The machine gunners are the ones that keep people alive in a firefight. They're the ones that suppress the enemy, and anyone that's been in a gunfight before, when you get done, you give your machine gunner a high five and you tell him thanks. Ryan was a guy that had a hard time with a lot of things in the SEAL teams, and I didn't know him before he was in Task Unit Bruiser. I didn't know him at all. But when you'd show up at a SEAL team, your reputation comes with you. And Ryan's reputation coming in was a little bit weak. When he got done with BUDS, which is the basic SEAL training, he thought that the hard training was over. And what he didn't know was that the hard training had just started. There's no real book when you get to a SEAL team that it tells you how to do this stuff. Where you learn it is you learn it from the guys that are more experienced than you. And so you keep your mouth shut, you keep your eyes and your ears open, you pay attention, you listen, And guess what? The people that are in your platoon with you, 
They want you to be awesome. They want you to be able to do your job well. And they're going to invest in you to make sure that you are the best possible SEAL that you can be. Because the SEAL to my left and the SEAL to my right, the better they are, the better we are. When I was a young SEAL and showed up at a SEAL team, there were so many guys that took time to teach me and took time to instruct me and took time to explain things to me. And that's what makes you into a good SEAL, is the guys that you meet that bring you up and show you the ropes when you don't know anything. We don't allow you to be weak. We don't want you on the team if you can't carry your weight. And as soon as Ryan Job realized the level that he needed to be at, he got on the train. By the time we went on deployment, when we got done with our workup, he was one of the hardest guys in the platoon. And he had turned himself around in Charlie Platoon. His nickname was Biggles. And he had turned himself around that we, we called him Biggles 2000. It was like he was reborn. Born again hard is what he was. About two weeks before going on deployment, we were reassigned to go instead of to Baghdad to deploy into the belly of the beast into the city of Ramadi. I was the task unit commander of SEAL Team 3 Task Unit Bruiser. At that time, this was the epicenter of the insurgency. It was a complete war zone, and there was constant fighting throughout the city 24 hours a day. And during a large clearance operation, Petty Officer Second Class Ryan Job, he was on a rooftop, he was holding his position, he was covering for the movement of other SEALs, and he was shot in the face. He suffered severe damage to his eyes, his face, and his head. But luckily the shot was not lethal. And his platoon medically evacuated him and he was brought to what was known as Charlie Medical. This was the combat trauma center in Camp Ramadi where the incredibly hardworking and skilled military medical personnel would treat people coming off the battlefield. And the trauma team there was able to stabilize him and started him on his journey back to America where he would get the extended medical care that he needed. Now, when he was flying home, because the wounds were so severe, they kept him in a medically induced coma. They're doing work on him and they're trying to keep him stable and they got him back to America with a couple stops along the way. And when he came out of a coma, there was some very heart-wrenching news. When he had been shot, it was clear that one of his eyes had been completely destroyed, but the other eye appeared to be okay, and he was actually able to see and respond to the guys as they got him out of there. But when he came out of this coma, for a variety of reasons, he had lost vision in his other eye and was now completely blind. As soon as they told us where he was, we started calling him, all the guys in his platoon. I expected that when I talked to him, I kind of braced for impact because I was dealing with a kid who was young, he was in the prime of his life, he was a real character of a guy, and this was obviously a traumatic, life-changing event for him. 
nothing was ever going to be the same. And I braced myself to be consoling him for the loss of his vision. But I was wrong. I wasn't consoling him at all. In fact, when I talked to him, he wasn't angry, he wasn't sad, he wasn't upset, he wasn't despondent. He was joking and he was laughing and he was bragging about the fact that he was going to get a glass eye with a seal trident in it. And then he told me he wanted to come back to Ramadi as soon as he was able to. And before I could even respond, he said, don't worry, boss. I might not be able to see the enemy, but I can smell them and I'll know where to shoot. And his attitude never changed. While he wasn't able to come back to Ramadi, he moved on. And he was medically retired from the Navy and he completed his college degree. He married his high school sweetheart. He was expecting a child, got a job at a major defense company. And it was amazing to watch how he had dealt with losing his vision. And it actually stepped up and continued to conquer everything that was out in front of him. And then, tragically, after one of the countless medical procedures he endured to repair the damage that was done by the bullet, there were complications. And Ryan Job died of the wounds that had been inflicted on him. Even though he is gone, he left us all with something. He left us all with the memory, the memory of how Ryan Job faced the most challenging of adversity. He did it with unwavering courage. He did it with an unwavering sense of humor. He did it with an unconquerable spirit as he laughed in the face of misfortune and set an example of bravery that none of us will ever forget. If you want to hear more stories about the Navy, you can subscribe to this podcast, which is called Sea Story. Coming next. We walked up to the house, we pressed the doorbell, Nothing happened. Sea Stories brought to you by America's Navy. Learn more at Navy.com. Navy.